0: At the end, um, so we're going to hop in to um, continue our series, and the question we're going to work to answer today is: Does doesn't science disprove Christianity? And I this there's so much to unpack, in, in every week we really could spend several weeks on each question, and so. Um, As I was kind of thinking about that, though, those of you that are really working on defending your faith, each week I encourage you to go deeper, to find a parent or someone in your life to disciple you through these questions in more depth. The goal, as always, is to understand the biblical truth for yourself, but to be able to take it further to defend your faith. So we live in a polarized society in a plethora of ways. And that just means people are either over here on an issue or they're over here. It's very black. It's very white. Um, And there's always been a debate among science versus religion. It's been present for a long time. Instead of us standing on one side or the other, I want us to look tonight at the amazing ways these two work together to help us be in even more awe of our creator. To dive in, we must first know what science is. So science comes from the Latin word scientica. I don't really know how to say it. Basically, all it means is knowledge, OK? Um, a more detailed definition is the intellectual and practical activity encompassing systematic study of structure and behavior of physical and natural world through observation and experiment. So basically, we're looking at physical and natural world, and we're experimenting on it, and we're observing it. That is science. Faith, that word was derived from the Latin fides, I don't really know how to say it, or feed, which is the confidence or trust in a person, thing, or concept, um, like the belief in God, teachings of the Bible, etc. So clearly, by definition, there's no polarity. There's no reason why those two can't exist in the same space, right? Can we study everything God created through experiments? Can we study everything God created through observations? 100% 100% so I think about it like this um, I really I like sports I'll try to use other examples besides sports. But I think about the science of sports. It would be super boring if we watched a football game and the commentator was like, you know, standing at 220 pounds. He's pivoting on this specific part of his foot and he's running 200 yards down the field. And, but we never experienced the crowd. We never experienced the touchdown. We never experienced, um, all the things that are a part of playing, playing the game. The same is true when you try to separate, when you try to separate science um, and and not allow the two to be together. It's it's just boring. One of my favorite quotes is from a physics professor professor at Cambridge, which is a really good st- school. He says, "Understanding more of science doesn't make God smaller. Instead, it allows us to see His creative activity in more detail." I love that quote. I think. It basically shines, science basically shines a light on God's handiwork. It's like if I had a flashlight and I was shining it, it just illuminates everything um, about God and what he created. So it's interesting when we think about what science can answer and what faith can answer. So basically, science can measure the world, tell us how it works, create solutions. It can tell us what, and it can tell us how. But it cannot tell us who and why. It can't answer those big questions that we long to know, like who made me? Does anyone truly know me or love me? Am I valuable? Do I have purpose? Is there more to life to, is there more to life than what I see? Science cannot answer those questions. Faith can answer those questions. So it looks something like this. Science tells us 99% of the human body is comprised of six main elements. Faith tells us what our hearts really long to know. Our approach today is to teach you to defend the faith by recognizing how science and faith work beautifully together to shine that light on God's goodness, his creativity, and his design. Science can tell us a lot of important facts, but it cannot tell us the most important truths of life. So I think about, you know, my husband. Science could tell you, you know, somewhat about his personality. It could tell you how tall he was, basic features. Science cannot describe or tell me how much he loves me. Science cannot, um, embody the feeling of us watching something stupid or creating hypothetical things in our head that we just like start laughing about so hard that, that it's just, it's just super funny, right? Like science can't tell us that. People, um, of today really believe that Christians are ignorant to science. We hear that statement a lot. People who are Christians are ignorant to science. Christians are people of faith, not facts. So I want us today to learn to defend against both of those statements. First of all, there is a vast representation of Christians in science, both historically and currently. So we're going to look first at historically. Science was first developed by Christians, which is kind of ironic given the fact that most of you in school um, or the comments surrounding science don't really lend itself to that. Um, two friars, Roger Bacon and William of Ockham, laid the foundations for what is currently known as the scientific method. So Christians actually created the scientific method. Boyle's Law was named after Robert Boyle in the In 1600s. He was going to be a minister. But instead, he said, I feel like I could serve God more through being a scientist. And he did. Historically, Christianity has held super great value on learning. And so a lot of the top institutions and the first institutions were founded explicitly as Christian institutions. So not only do we see historically a lot of awesome things coming from Christian scientists, the institutions that um, were were Founded basically, were for the purpose of Christians to study um, and to learn. Christian scientists operated and still do under the premise that the universe was created by God, and we can study his creation through empirical investigation, a.k.a. science. Kelvin, you know, when you look at the measurements, another example of scientific excellence and a man of serious faith. Michael Faraday who is considered one of the greatest experimental scientists ever. Some of you, if your parents are doomsday preppers, they may have Faraday paper. It was named after him, okay? Um, and so lots of people are familiar with that name. And he has several na- things named after him and was a passionate Christian, deeply, deeply interested in the relationship between science and faith. James Maxwell is credited with the scientific unification of physics, which bringing together basically electricity, magnetism, and light. All these scientists, phenomenal scientists who believe studying God's creation was an act of worship. Think if I told any of you studying science is, studying creation is an act of worship, or if I use the word science, you'd be like, oh, I don't know, right? At its core, science was a way, again, to illuminate God's goodness and what he created. And all Christian scientists early on studied on the premise that we were created by God in his image, and that was the foundation. Currently, Christians in the field of science, I just want to pull from one university, MIT. Nod with me if you've heard of MIT. Okay, basically super hard to get into, one of the, I think it's number two in our nation, actually. It's like the mecca for genius scientists, okay, basically, which means it's their dream to go there, right? So you would assume that in the fields of science, based on culture and how they portray it, that hardly any of the scientist professors there are Christian. Couldn't be further from the truth. They have representation in nuclear science, aeronautics, electrical engineering, artificial intelligence, chemistry, biological and mechanical engineering, ocean engineering, biology, neuroscientists, and former MIT president is a pursuer of Christ. And so there is still great, great representation, not just at MIT, but in top universities around the country. One of the things I find really interesting about that is some of these people pursued faith early on in their life. A large majority found God while pursuing science. And I think that's really interesting because, you know, some of you have heard of that movie or book The Case for Christ. He wasn't really a scientist, but he set out to disprove Christianity and what did he ultimately do? Proved it, right? So, I think it's pretty cool that all of, so many of these people step into their studies and don't believe in God, and then through studying things in detail, can't believe in anything but God. Like, I think that's pretty phenomenal. Um, this is evidenced by Francis Collins, who led the Human Genome Project, which basically was this pretty recent, huge project to unpack the human DNA basically they were taking apart the human DNA like a puzzle to to look at it is kind of the easiest way to explain that through that project he came to know Christ and now proclaims that the god of the bible is also the god of the genome pretty pretty incredible to further document representation of christians in the field of science nobel peace prize nod with me if you think you're going to win one someday yeah, there you go, Cora. That's Conley's goal. She wants to win a Nobel Peace Prize. Um, basically, it's prize. It's a. It's an honor given to someone who does something substantial in their field to shape the the world. Right. In the 20th century, 73% of winners in chemistry identified as Christians. 65% of physics identify, winners identified as Christians. 62% in medicine. And I think that's mind-blowing, because when you look at the news or you look at the the culture around science, most of you would feel like Christian representation is very minimal. So why do we think people find faith through science? Scripture itself shows us that God wants to be scienced. In Romans, he says, but God shows anger from heaven against all sinful and wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he makes it obvious. For ever since the world was created, people see the earth, they see the sky. Through everything God made, they can see clearly his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. You know, I think about this scripture and about the idea of God wanting to be observed, God wanting to be known. And that is, by definition, what science is. And I think about, I love going to the mountains. I love to hammock. My favorite place to hammock anywhere is like under a tree, right? Obviously, you're like, you have to have a tree. You don't always have to have a tree. You can tie it to other things, okay? So anyways, I like laying in a hammock and looking up through the trees. And through all that, my brain just goes all sorts of places about God. I'm like, hey, like he can paint wheat trees way better than Bob Ross right like he has he has all these incredible variations and and the way they're pieced together and the the sound when they blow and then you hear the the birds in the trees and and you think about just his goodness and, and how he and how he created things. And I think, you know, God meant that for us. He wanted that. He wanted us to observe Him. God is also a God of order. I know you hear Curtis say that a lot, as well as the other pastors. So our God is a God of order. And science helps us appreciate that order. Several verses throughout scripture mention that. We're going to talk about a few. Genesis 8:22 is the one that says, as long as the earth exists, there's going to be a time for planting and harvest, cold and heat, summer, winter, day, night. Next one um, is in 1 Corinthians, and it's the scripture that talks about um, all the parts of the church body. And basically, to Cliff Notes version it, how one part of the body can't function without the other, and how God created his church in this very systemic, orderly manner for everybody to have their part and their giftings to contribute. God and his universe perform in a very predictable manner. He created it that way. I think about, you know, like when you're little and you have to do, I always hated like busy work in school and they like make you color the life cycle. And I'm like, dude, like we get it. It's this, 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 this. Like we could write that in 10 seconds, but you spend two hours coloring it. That's what I think about. God created that order. The life cycle. And if you pull one part from the life cycle, what happens? It doesn't work, right? Like, I've been taking my grandpa to the doctor a lot. And so he's not super healthy right now. And so I've learned a lot about the human body. And it's like, by design, God created all these things to work together and function properly in a very orderly way. And it just blows my mind. Um, and it's it's interesting because our God's a God of order, but then he's also a God of direction, and he gives us specific directions in scripture. And it's amazing how when we follow his direction, we're affirmed in his design for us. And so I want to kind of talk about that for a minute. Um, and I'm going to use examples we've done before. The first one, kindness. There are several scriptures to support this. You can go ahead and go to the next one, Pen. This is the one that I messed up on. Yeah, it didn't go up there, but it's fine. Kindness is not on the slide, sorry. Scripture tells us to love our neighbor. Scripture says, um, essentially, there are several, basically teaching us how to love God and his people, right? The cool thing is, when we step in to God's direction for us in that way, we have all these awesome cups in our head. They're not real cups, but imaginary ones that dump out hormones, OK, so when we're kind to someone, we get basically a dose of all the good hormones that we want that make us feel happy. OK, um, it's pretty incredible. Like you guys have heard of serotonin, dopamine, oxytocin. That's what we're talking about. OK, so when we step into what God tells us to do, science shows us it's good for us, too. The cool thing about kindness is, let's say Kaylee does something super kind for me. OK. Those little cups are going to dump out in her head. They're going to dump out in mine. And they're going to dump out in anybody that witnesses it. You know, Matt talks Sunday about our God's a God of multiplication. Pretty crazy to think about. He's also a God of multiplication in his direction for us. Like, pretty neat. Again, his word, faith, and science coming together in a beautiful way. The next one, sex. Sex, scripture says it's meant to be fun. It's meant for unity. It's meant to reproduce, multiply the earth. And most importantly, sex is a picture of God's love for his bride, the church. OK? Um, and we, we've talked about that before. The cool thing is what happens within the context of sexual intimacy, we get those little cups dump out in the most powerful of ways, Right? when we step into God's design. The flip side of that, and what we see a lot in culture right now, is primarily the hormone oxytocin. It doesn't know the difference between your spouse and a one-night stand. So we have all these people dumping those cups out in the wrong way, and they're actually confusing the way that God designed for their brain to work during sexual intimacy. That's why you see people who, who really have a hard time connecting because that hormone is a bonding agent. So again, when we step into God's design and direction, science shows us how it's, how it's good for us and it's, it's good for his people. Peace. We all want peace, right? So many scriptures about peace in the Bible and being still. And being able, you know, we talk about prayer. We talk about lots of things in scripture that require us to be still, right? The mental health benefits of being still are phenomenal. Spiritual growth, better emotion regulation when we do this, and also better functioning of your frontal lobe which is basically responsible for personality, impulse control, lots of things. Definitely something we want working well, right? So again, God's direction and design. Science says it works, right? Gives us the things that that are good for us. Last, life balance. Many scriptures and Proverbs speak to not doing things in excess, which means extra or more than we need, right? Science shows us when we have excess, it leads to negative outcomes. What happens if I eat too much sugar? Not Not good for me, right? Lots of things. I could have weight gain. I could have headaches. I could have my teeth will be having issues, right? If I drink in excess, not good for my body, right? Eventually, your organs start to shut down. Spending money in excess, not good for my stewardship, not good for my family, not good for my anxiety, Right? So scripture says, don't live in excess. Science shows us, don't live in excess. Right? How incredible is that, that the truth and direction of scripture are over time and time again affirmed by scientific evidence? With that being said, I think a lot of people would like for science to 100% prove the existence of God. Like, I hear that all the time from people. They're like, if you can 100% prove to me and I'm like, the Bible <laughs> the Bible is not going to explain every scientific concept in detail. And it can't be expected to do that, right? Like, the Bible is the book where we find all of our answers, but it's not going to, like, break down that scientific evidence that, that we're talking about. The same is true in reverse. Science alone is not going to prove the existence of God. Instead, it's a tool of study to use to shine a light on God's incredible design. The other problem with the approach of I want the, I want science to prove the existence is God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. While we know that science can change, we once thought the, the earth was flat, right? Do we think that anymore? No, because science, some people do. Yeah, there's some flat earthers out there. Hope it's none of you. Okay. Anyways, science, science grows. You look at medicine, the things where sweet Vanessa is able to do when she works with those pediatric patients now compared to hundreds of years ago. Science changes. Our God does not. Okay. With that being said, there, there are and continue to be discoveries that, pre- Prove the validity of biblical stories for those of you that are into that. In 2020 alone, there were several archaeological finds, which archaeology is basically digging up stuff from the past and then studying it. Um, Even with all the heavy COVID restrictions, I think my favorite finding of 2020 um, was the remains from the church in Matthew, where Jesus told Peter, On this rock, I'll build my church. They were, they're excavating. That particular site in 2020. Um, so if, if you're someone that's into that, Matt and I want to give you resources for those of you who are like, I don't really like to read a case for the case for Christ by Lee Strobel. He again is someone who set out to disprove Christianity. And there's a lot of really good things in that story. It's a good starting place. But if you, if you're someone who really wants to see all that evidence, find us and, and we'll give you some resources, much like the scientists mentioned earlier. Um, in that story, he finds a relationship with his creator. So I really want to challenge you guys um, to work on being equipped to answer these questions and to defend the faith regarding science and Christianity. And it looks something like this: you're hanging out in class or hanging out with your cousins or whatever, and they're like, I think it's dumb that Christians don't believe in science. You can say, I am a Christian, and I believe that science is a great tool to help us understand God's design. In fact, When I study science, I'm in awe of how everything has to work together in such incredible unison. Also, there are many Christians, past and present, that are crucial in the advancement of scientific fields. Also, science shows us that God's instructions align with his specific design for us. An example is when God calls us to be kind to others. When we do this, science shows it's good for us and it's good for others. Another statement that's um, said a lot is Christians are ignorant. They believe in faith, not facts. Actually, that's not what Christians believe. I'm a Christian. I believe in facts and faith. In fact, I believe the facts help shine light on God and his awesomeness. I think as a Christian, I just acknowledge that there is so much more going on than just facts. Another, which a lot of you have asked about, is the Big Bang and evolution. Um and it's it's the one where i tend to hear the statement like my parents said to just not listen to my science teacher you know to that i would say science can bring out a lot of amazing things in god's creation but to know your line and to know how to, again, defend the faith even in those situations. So what I would say is, um, to that one there's a lot of things I would say, but to keep it basic, you know, I support the creator God, and I support that I was made in the image of Christ from the beginning. That's the simplest answer for that. Okay, again, like these topics are meant to give you a starting point for defending the faith. These messages aren't intended to be the end. Like you're going to leave here and like problem solved. Like you can go have a debate or defend your faith in any situation. But I think I've really been struck by how few of you are able to defend the faith and instead avoid these hard conversations. We hope that through this you're empowered and two things happen. You know what you believe and you're able to defend what you believe. And we want to help you do that. God, I thank you for today. God, I thank you again for clarity in your scripture. God, I thank you that we can use scripture to point us to the right direction, regardless of what the topic is. I thank you for that. God, I thank you for your incredible design. Thank you for being a God of order and God a God of creativity. God, I thank you for all you allow us to experience from the beauty in your design of nature, God, the beauty in your design of people. And God, I thank you for the young people in this room. God, I pray that they would know what they believe. And God, I pray that they would be equipped to defend their faith in a world that desperately needs to see a difference in Christians, God. God, we love you and we thank you. Amen.